You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Scott, I have a pitch for you. Venom was cool and profitable. What about an origin movie for another character from Spider-Man's rogues gallery? Oh, hell yeah. Come at me. Scorpion? No. Craven? No. Rhino? Done that. Chameleon? No. Black Cat? Nah. Tombstone? Eh. Morbius the Living Vampire? Bingo. That's the one. We're making a Morbius movie. I have some notes. Welcome, 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 welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies as suggested by you. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are live here uh, in your homes and hearts uh, to discuss Morbius. Uh, <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, uh, those of you listening and watching on the stream. Uh, hello to you listening uh, just as an audio feed later. You're, uh, have a good commute. Get those dishes done. <laughs> um, however you're joining us, uh, thank you uh, for being here. Um, yeah, let's. Uh, it's it's Morbin time. It is Morbin time. We've been at long building last. up. Yeah, building up to a big season opener after a long break, and uh, oh boy, the anticipation has been really. <laughs> really palpable for Morbius. Yeah. Uh, a bloodlust of enthusiasm for a new season of, I have some notes one might say, uh, yeah. Welcome back guys. This is our first episode in a, in a, in a while. How's, how's it going? How are you? Yeah. How was good. your summer? Did you watch good, some good movies during the summer? I watched some great <laughs> movies during the summer. Um, I did too. Yeah. Uh, also watched some great plays. I was at the, at the fringe uh, with, with uh, the debutantes, uh, Robin and Glenna, who are friends of the show um some great dungeons and dragons improv uh yeah i just had a, had a great summer all along how about how about you i also had a summer of fringing at the fringe because i was also in a fringe show uh not as arguably successful as yours i heard nothing but great things but didn't get a chance to see it because i was working in between all my shows so yeah that hustle I was um, I was a bad friend and did not come to either of your shows because I'm a big COVID scaredy cat and I was afraid. That's you know that's fine. Half our cast got COVID, so it's you oh, probably no. made the right call. <laughs> oh, one of our cast members got heat exhaustion because of the extreme heat over the week of the fringe and oh, uh, right, collapsed yeah. on stage. So I just got green onion cake trots. So there you go. <laughs> 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 yeah as you do during fringe a tradition as you do <laughs> greg your summer is good though yeah at um we uh i didn't do any fringe shows i didn't have my own show uh but i i did uh i did start doing a lot more uh like coloring and stuff like that and more video editing and things like that so that on the creative side it was a lot of fun um i got out to the mountains which was great so um 
you know, and I and I and I did make an actual concerted effort to watch good movies during the summer uh, because the rest of my year is is full of watching so many mediocre ones. So it was it was a good call. <laughs> Do we want to quickly because like we we shouldn't make make the good doctor wait much longer um but just quickly what like what was the best movie you saw in the last two or three months Ooh. i can start if you want to think about it go ahead and also yeah. i'd love to hear it from the chat anyone in the chat hit us with the best movie you've watched since the last time you listened to a new episode of i have some notes um uh, so yeah i saw uh marcel the shell with shoes on uh, uh was brilliant uh we cried it, it was just one of the most touching fun um cute wholesome watch it with kids and grandma watch it alone um it's great it was, it was a beautiful movie i highly recommend uh, marcel the shell with shoes on scott uh i caught un flick on canopy it's uh, an older french film uh it uh is from 1972 it's kind of like a cops and robbers movie um and there's a great heist scene in the middle of it that's like filmed real time uh it was solid uh i would recommend it seek it out on canopy i think unquestionably coda was the best film i watched during the summer yeah is uh i know that was like is it 2021 that one best picture i think or is it 2020 i don't remember but uh i understand why now it's uh it's a very good feel-good movie i really really enjoyed it fantastic uh yeah. good movies <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, folks in the chat let us know some of the good ones they watched because we also watched Morbius. Yeah, <laughs> is a movie that we watched. It sure is. Actually, Liam, just right before we get to to Morbius, you might notice that there's only three of us. We had billed uh, Abdul Malik to come on the show. Unfortunately, just due to some technical problems, uh, we weren't able to get him on. So uh, we're we're bummed about that. Um, but please, we all did watch his movie Piece by Chocolate. Uh, highly recommend you go out and check it out. Check it out. You said it was on. Is it on Canopy? You said uh, it is available not? on Canopy right now. Uh, available on Canopy and Apple TV and and I watch it on YouTube, well. just on demand on YouTube. So yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, go Which, check it out. If you're and, watching uh, this, you're already on YouTube. So yeah. what's the excuse? <laughs> yeah, wait until after our show though. <laughs> anyway, Morbius. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. The, the the villainous uh the the trying to make a spider-man movie without spider-man in it um are, did you guys i will start with this were you uh familiar with morbius the character uh yes of... i watched the spider-man cartoon in the 90s <laughs> and that is where i remember morbius from and his desire for plasma um and he drank through his hands because it was too violent for him to bite anybody so he had like lamprey hands. Oh, you would right. suck your blood yeah. out with them. <laughs> yeah. That is that is my distinct memory of Morbius. Yeah. My my partner Amanda, who's in the chat, asked me. She's like, "Well, what's like? I don't know anything about this character. What's the deal?" I'm like, "Well, you know, sometimes Spider Man's running around and like a vampire guy jumps out to get him." Yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vampire guy. He doesn't like Spider Man. The vampire guy. Um, um, he's, he's kind of, as I understand it in recent years shifted, uh, because he's one of those tragic villains in a way. Yeah. Uh, he's shifted more into being kind of an anti-hero the way Venom has, um, in the comics at least. And I feel that that's what they were kind of going with, with this movie too. Mm -hmm. Like they, they try to put him in a much more sympathetic light. Um, the problem is that they make kind of everybody 
kind of have a bit of a sympathetic light in the movie, which muddies the actual villain a little bit, but I might be getting ahead of myself there. Yeah, I don't think it's impossible to make a to to make a movie about a character like this. You know, I mean the the there's a f- three or four seasons of a show about Batman's butler in World <laughs> War Two or One or whatever. So like, you can do like it's not impossible to take a, an obscure character from uh, uh, some property you own and and try to spin a yarn out of it. <clears throat> so. Like, I don't begrudge them for trying. I don't think it's wholly unreasonable to try to make a Morbius movie. <laughs> um, in the same way, I don't think it's a wholly unreasonable idea to try to make a Craven the Hunter movie, which they're doing. I just don't have high hopes based on past results. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, you know, Sony there are, or Morbius isn't really an interesting movie in itself, but what I think is interesting about it is... Is Sony's continued inability to make a superhero film like they're really really bad at it, and I I think the ones that they've made that are good or passable have been uh, that's just been out of sheer luck as far yeah, as I'm been concerned. Kind of in spite of everything, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I mean, they got obviously the the the, the first couple Spider Men's were were great. Uh, back in the Tobey Maguire days, um, mm. everything else since then has wait. You're... <laughs> Every, I, everything but into the Spider Verse, and I think that like skews their sure. data, where it's like a bunch of twenty percent and then a hundred percent. If you average it out, you get the same like fifty eight that Marvel movies have. Like it's really <laughs> don't nobody check that math. Um, but you know. I'm <laughs> Yeah, like it, it's it's funny to me that like they had um, such a such a critical and, and I think financial hit with Into the Spider Verse, and they weren't they weren't like let's double down on that. It was more like it was still like let's continue trying to do the Marvel thing for some reason, um, which is really strange because like you know you don't have a collection of heroes to hang your universe around. Spider Man's pretty narrow and and is it you you've got a like you i guess you could like they're they're trying to make they're trying to do superhero stuff but like why wouldn't they do more stuff like maybe black cat or something like that who could be more considered a, a hero than maybe some of these other guys i don't know um, yeah, because the majority of the spider-man secondary characters are bad guys yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's got he's got a very robust rogues gallery. I will yeah. say this: this is one of the few Spider-Man movies where they don't kill Uncle Ben. So I guess props for that. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> also, it would have been very funny if somehow Uncle Ben still dies in this movie that Spider-Man's not in. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I just well, love uh, that they keep trying. They just keep they keep trying to to force voice the the Sinister Six upon us. You know, at the, at the end of this movie, when we get all the the post credit stuff. They're doing it again. Like, and it looked, it, it felt just as ham fisted and forced when they tried to do it with Amazing Spider Man 2. Uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's just like, I, you gotta, you gotta know when to, to fish or cut bait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't wanna, I don't wanna give this movie too much credit or too much benefit of the doubt, but I do understand that, like, like covid really fucked up the schedule and so i parts of me want to just give them a pass for their like you know they tried they tried to get it done you know i don't know i don't know how much 
that is to blame, but I do understand that, that yeah, uh, the production was seriously set back by various uh, uh, pandemic protocols. So, but also still (laughs) a bunch of other movies came out. You actually had a really good analogy for the making of this movie. Yeah. Letterbox review. And I, I think that our listeners deserve to hear that repeated here. Yeah, I I watched Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, No one made me. I chose to do that. Um, And it's junk food. Venom, Let There Be Carnage is junk food movie. Uh, I like junk food. It's pretty empty. It's pretty hollow. And also like junk food, these movies are consistent. You can walk into a movie theater pretty much any time and see some equivalent of Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Whether it's a by-the-numbers rom-com or a, you know stupid kids movie they're like there's just there's a lot of junk food movies consistently mediocrely available like cheetos right like junk food if venom let there be carnage is a handful of cheetos this movie is one of those like weird gnarly cheetos that's all like clumpy and it's too much of the corn dust and it's like crunchy and there's like weird pockets of cheese dust and you're just like how did this get in the bag how did this happen and it is like for better or for worse, like movies like this come out of a Hollywood machine that spurts out little cheese puff junk food movies every week. And things like focus groups, things like studio notes, reshooting and editing based on those studio notes, those are part of the factory working. And there is a reasonable margin of error that suggests <laughs> 1% of the time you're going to get a chunky fucked up one in the bag. That is Morbius. Morbius. <laughs> Morbius is a gnarly Cheeto in that it, despite everyone's best efforts, it just came up, came out all weird and gross and gnarly. And ever, I don't doubt everyone tried their best. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, just, and just fascinating that it's like, how did this, wow, how did this get in the bag? Who let this happen? Uh, yeah, that Speechless. was my that, 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 was my <laughs> that ended the conversation. That was that was perfect, a perfect um, analysis. It's well, I, if listeners of the show will know, I sometimes get a little um, salty towards some junk food movies. Movies kind of made without without heart or without any motive but to fill yeah, a line item in, their eyes, in the yeah. quarter. Yeah, we need we need to have a movie out in late Q four. Make a new RoboCop movie. Who cares? Um, but also sometimes I'll watch those and the same time sometimes I'll eat Doritos. Um, but this one was so bad that I kind of like, I don't even like love it ironically. I don't love it. I shouldn't say that. But like, <laughs> it was just like, no, weird to look at. It was just like, what am I, what is going on here? It's, it's um, fascinates you. That fascinates the word. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, it was, it was poorly edited. And I think that was part of it. Um, that, uh, it, you know. It, it's it's strange that to me the, it felt a little claustrophobic um, in that um, the movie didn't have like a large scope. It actually felt like most of the time you were like in an apartment with somebody or a very small room. Like yeah. the only time that you get out into like a, a larger sort of uh, set piece is the, um, the ship. But mm-hmm. even then, like... You know, after you've done with the establishing shot of the ship, you're in Seems like a little lab, yeah. and and the, the the fight sequence that takes place uh, on the ship is 
through a bunch of like uh, corridors and things like that, right? So it's very, yeah. it's all, it's all, it feels like it's almost always really compressed. And yeah, there's scenes where Morbius is flying through New York. Um, however, like because it's because it's nighttime, and I think um, most of the time everything's framed really tight. You just don't. I, I just feel like I couldn't really breathe when I was watching uh, this movie. So the movie is uh, really tightly focused on Michael Morbius and you don't really get to see the world he lives in. No, like so much, so much so that like that we'll get into this after we hit the trailer summary or the, the plot summary, but like so much so that it, it, the, the, the story between Morbius and his best friend just really didn't flesh out because of it, you know, because he was so tightly focused on, on Morbius himself. Yeah. Um, on the, uh, I, I'm actually gonna. I, I like to think our listeners listen along or have watched the movies along with us. But I don't blame you if you have not watched Morbius. <laughs> and hopefully, we can save. <laughs> but just in case you need uh, a refresher on exactly the film we're talking about, um, released in uh, April of 2022, directed by Daniel Espinoza, written by Matt Sazma and Burke Sharpless uh, of Power Rangers. Oh, friend of the show, Power Rangers. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, cast, of course, uh, uh, Jared Leto, uh, interesting choice for Dr. Michael Morbius, uh, Matt Smith as Milo, uh, Adria Ajorna as uh, Martine Bancroft, Jared Harris, Tyrese Gibson, and Al Madrigal also contribute roles. Um, Scott, you want to you hit him with the, the trailer summary and we can really sink our teeth into this vampire movie? All right. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Michael Morbius has spent his life searching for the cure to a rare genetic blood disorder to save both himself and his rich childhood friend Milo. Running out of time and options, Morbius resorts to testing an experimental serum made with vampire bat DNA on himself. And while the serum cures his illness, it comes with unexpected side effects. As vampire bats famously have super strength, super speed, and weird smoky teleportation, Morbius now has all of these powers, as well as an unquenchable thirst for blood. But when Milo also takes the serum against Morbius's wishes, the stage is set for the two childhood friends turned living vampires to end up in a deadly clash. Yeah, do we want to do we want to talk about the weird smoky teleportation right right off the top? <laughs> he, like a Dragon Ball Z character, uh, yeah. like it really. He's just tooling around on a cloud, uh, <laughs> and I mean, he flies without wings later on. Like it, it is very Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's a it's an interesting power set that he gains from a tiny flying rodent with a very minuscule body mass. <laughs> But I mean, okay. Oh, magical purple capes. Yep. Thanks, yeah. Amanda. Also pointing that out in the chat live here. Yeah, his um, whole his whole outfit smoked. Like it was really. <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange. Um, also, like in the comics, he looks like Vampire Morbius all the time. But handsome Jared Leto's got to be handsome, so he only kind of vamps out Buffy style from time to time. Uh, Is it which... big? Which At is least a choice. Aesthetically, had big Buffy energy for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. And yet, none of the things we learned about good vampire storytelling from Buffy. Yeah, no. <laughs> Which I mean, this that effectively just makes this uh, Jekyll and Hyde, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of. It's, it's um, kind of really like just like I mean, that's I guess that's kind of interesting in in and of itself a little bit, like vampire plus Jekyll and Hyde to historic. 
uh, creatures or whatever. The, it's kind of fun, but like the you know the movies just doesn't. Well, it's boring, and it, like it's there's nothing <laughs> nothing really to to hang your hat on because it it doesn't commit to any one of its possible thrusts uh it could be a cool vampire horror movie it could be a jekyll and hyde science god mad body horror movie it could be a superhero movie but it's none of those <laughs> yeah it, it doesn't land on anything yeah um and it's interesting that you mentioned jekyll and hyde because there are two other spider-man villains who are more jekyll and hyde than morbius and those are the green goblin Mm-hmm. and the lizard yeah. um so i mean and they've already done a lizard movie so they've already done the jekyll and hyde movie uh and yet here they are like let's do it again with morbius <laughs> well the to go back to the uh sort of the body horror element of it there's the scene where he's getting strapped into the table and he looks all gaunt and sick and getting ready to 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 you know it's morbid time um it's getting ready and i'm like oh this has like big reanimator vibes like, like body horror. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is like, as I'm watching this movie and in the days after, I'm like, how is this not like the fly, like a body horror style, you know, gr- grotesque transformation story like Jekyll and Hyde, like the fly. Um, and I really wanted to be able to make this comparison soundly, but I'd, I'd never seen the fly up until recently. So, so that I could com- be like, this movie should have done what the fly did. I went and watched the fly to make sure I knew what I was talking about. Um, <laughs> and the fly that is sick. That- yeah, some good came out of watching Morbius for Liam because it led him to watch The Fly, which is a great movie. Aaron says in the chat that the, that they needed to let the uh, the magic uh, bats out of the tube in his lab. They looked very stressed out. I, I thought that was funny that there was just like in his lab, there was a constant bat tornado. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like they never they it, like bats don't do that they like they hang out upside down and they rest or whatever <laughs> well, like how they, <laughs> they fly around in the you don't give them anywhere to hang or sit they're just of course they're just gonna fly in a tornado yeah, they also don't get fed apparently they're yeah just, they, 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 his tube should have just been like a pile of dead bats that's <laughs> really what it should have been <laughs> aesthetically cool very nonsense yeah. 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 Like like a lot of this movie. Yeah. Um I'm I'm going to put this out there. Okay, we've we've already started touching on some of the the terrible things about this film. Is there anything in this movie that you guys actually liked? Uh more Al Madrigal. I was excited to see him as one of the FBI agents. He was the funny one. He was the only funny thing in this movie. Um so yeah, uh, I like I like Al Madrigal, and it was cool to see him and stuff because he's I only ever know him from a Daily Show um, correspondent. Yeah, I think that's a hard pass for me. I'm afraid that's <laughs> just like a shit on the on your positive thing. I did that's not fair. like Al Madrigal in this movie at all. I don't know. if There's something about his persona that's very difficult for me to take seriously. Um, I don't know if it's a, if it's a combination of his voice and cadence, um, but he doesn't. Like, he doesn't feel like an actor to me. And, like, it did feel like he was doing bits the entire time. Um, That's fair. <laughs> I don't, you know? So it was like, yeah, it was a little weird. Because, I mean, like, probably one of the sins that this movie, uh, of this movie is that it takes itself a little too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, like, like adding Al, Al Madrigal was almost, like, too much of a tonal shift for me. Fair. I, I like him otherwise. 
but yeah, yeah in this movie, I did not. Um, Amanda mentioned Matt Smith in the live chat, and I kind of agree. He's having fun in this movie in a way that elevates it a little bit. Um, and I think it's because Matt Smith is aware of the kind of movie he's in and he's just leaning into it. Yeah. Um, and he chews the scenery and it kind of works. His performance kind of works for me. And it, it brought his character a little more alive than most of the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. So like kudos to Matt Smith. He, he put in a pretty good performance, but the, the one thing I, I actually wanted to mention was there are some Dracula illusions in the script, which are wasted on the script. They're really good. And I liked them and they, they're in a bad movie. And I, I'm sad about that. Such like, as like the ghost ship. Um, Dracula turns up in England on a ghost ship where everyone's been killed by a vampire. And sure enough, he get he goes out into international waters with a group of mercenaries and the ship comes back. There's only one living person left, his Renfield, the doctor, Dr. Bancroft, and him, the vampire. Uh, so, like, that's just an example of a really good Dracula illusion in a rather lackluster vampire movie. Yeah. Uh, I got yeah, that is good. Okay. Oh, I was just gonna say I agree with your point on on Matt Smith. I, I thought he was the yeah, one bright spot of the of the entire movie. <clears throat> yeah, you know, he's like you said, he knew what he, movie he was in. Um, he was having a good time and he was hamming he, it up. He knew a movie he was in. He thought he knew a movie he was in. He thought he was in Venom. Let there be carnage. And yeah, he got to be uh, Woody Harrelson, but he's in a much worse movie than that already fine junk food movie. That has a campy performance by a got you in the scenery. Um, he was he was it's it's really sad that like the the best this movie could have hoped for still would have been Venom. Let there be carnage. <laughs> and Matt Smith is the only one who like hits that mark. Um, yeah, uh, Matt Smith's good. I also got to I, I feel for him. I really hope House of the Dragon is good because he has been in some stinkers lately because I, I watched last night in Soho and as a big Edgar Wright fan. That was really disappointing. Hmm. Um, it's he's he's good in that, but it's not good. He's good in this, but it's not good. And also, you gotta. I mean, his his companion when he was Doctor Who is now Nebula in the MCU, and he's Morbius's friend. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I mean, some I I guess sometimes you're maybe it's time to get a new agent or something like that. <laughs> like. <laughs> There's, there, are, there do seem to be certain actors and actresses who just can't, um, I can't find the right projects for them, and, and Matt Smith does seem to be one of them, unfortunately. Yeah. Hey, Matt Smith's got to eat, and sometimes you take what what is offered to you, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't dislike Last Night in Soho. Um, it's just kind of Edgar Wright's most uneven movie, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I still had a decent time. So fair. I'll give you I'll give you that, Matt Smith. That one was okay. <laughs> Here's a weird thing that we all agreed that we liked. Mm-hmm. The end credits. <laughs> and that's not to do like a Muppets like when it was over. Um, <laughs> we all commented kind of independently of one another. Uh these end credits are pretty sick, actually. Like, had a really cool cyberpunk vibe. They looked really slick, and it was like these credits are wasted on this film. <laughs> these should have been Blade Runner credits. What what went wrong? <laughs> uh, Laurie Laurie Plant in the chat says of, of Matt Smith. He said he said he had fun and he did his best. He liked his character and 
after that it was out of his hands which is true i mean like yep. you don't as an actor like i mean you could read a script and think it sounds all right and and then it, you know the movie gets made three times right it gets made it on on the page and then it gets made when you're filming it and then it gets made in the edit bay and you never really know what uh, what's going to come out of it right and, and star wars that... famously like the original star wars famously sucked uh before the right editor got a hold of it right so yeah and i mean nobody goes into making a film expecting that they're going to be making a terrible film yeah, yeah. yeah. um like even but, the people who made Birdemic had to think on some level, we're making a good movie, guys. We're in this. We we're gonna do it. Yeah. And then Birdemic happened. And you know. <laughs> yeah, it's that cognitive dissonance between like your skill level and and what you're actually putting out into the world that makes watching a bad movie so much fun, like uh, like Birdemic. Yeah. Um this one I like I wouldn't consider this to be like a, a so bad it's fun to watch movie. It was yeah. it was mostly I wouldn't say it's painful. I, I think it's I think it's like I said, it's just it's just too bland and boring. Yeah. Um there's there's it's just not enough bad, there's bad not enough meat junk food. Yeah, 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 exactly. Just not enough uh, meat on the bones for that vampire to sink his teeth into and it's just unfortunate <laughs> for for everyone involved i guess i don't know i mean like i guess it's not you look at like who the director is and writers are and like maybe it's not that surprising when you've written power rangers and you've uh directed life which you've also done on the show you know uh life is a much better movie i think but also like lots of holes Just seems like I, I feel like I, I, do you get the sense that like with Morbius that there was a lot um, left on the cutting room floor? Oh, I, I, I get not so much cutting room floor, but I think partly because of the, the you know, pandemic delaying things. But also, like I said, you can see the focus group. You can see the studio notes. You can see the stuff they went and reshot and then tried to edit based on the studio notes and focus groups. One of the things I noticed about this movie it's really hard to tell the difference between his ship and uh, the the actual lab that he works in. It's all the locations of where those things take place are really fuzzy. Yeah. And my guess is that it wasn't like poor planning or like someone just didn't care to make sure they looked different. I think they have a version of the movie that took place on a ship, a version of the movie that took place in a lab kind of tried to marry the two. And they're like, I hope no one notices that like we're using a scene from the ship lab in the scene that's supposed to be in the lab lab. Nobody pay attention that closely. It, this is meant to be played at 14 year olds birthday parties. Like it's not like, it's not a real movie. And that that's my, my thing is that it's not so much stuff that got left on the cutting room floor. It's that stuff got like mashed together, exquisite corpse style to try to make something that appeased too many masters. And what better way to hide that than to turn down the brightness <laughs> yeah. on all of the scenes uh, so that you can't really see anything. No, so it's because that's it's vampires movie. can't go in the light. Oh, right, vampires. So it's really go. dark. So it's gonna be a dark movie. Yeah. They Except made... that they make it. They make a point of saying that he can go into the light. There's yeah, that yeah. That, uh, <laughs> that diner scene with uh, with him and uh, um, what's that? What's her name? Martine. I was joking, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because like I remember when me and Aaron were watching it, like the 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 joke that he like he kind of he's supposed to be reaching for a cup and and the and the cup is in a sunbeam mm -hmm. uh and then she kind of goes and he's like oh i'm not that kind of vampire and like it was edited so poorly like they just like just neutered the joke and like mm -hmm. we had to like we had to like 
sit there and sort of like analyze ourselves what happened, <laughs> what just happened after we watched that scene. Like, wait, what, what's going on here? So that's just what like if, a like an example of like how poorly uh, things were going in the edit bay. One of the uh, criticisms we had of Venom was the big climactic final fight scene was very hard to follow because of the frenetic editing and the really dark uh, lighting. And uh, I'm glad to see that the producers heard that criticism and then doubled down on it to spite us and made an even more confusing and even darker climactic fight scene, which is even harder to follow um, because wow, that final fight scene is hard to watch. And I don't mean because it's bad. I mean, literally it is hard to watch. You can barely follow what's going on. Uh, it is nuts. The and key then, is by that point in the movie, bat laser. He shoots yeah. a bat laser at someone. Like <laughs> by that movie point in the movie, you're also just you don't care. It's like I'm not trying yeah. that hard to see what they're doing because I'm not yeah. invested in this in the least. Um, <laughs> I was just more uh, like, mm, is it? <laughs> is this over? Yeah. Uh, Amanda in the whatever comments, he wins. I get it. Yeah. Uh, did point out. Yeah, we um, that he they go to all that trouble to to make a uh, a money printing lab or you know get his hands on a, on a counterfeit bill lab so he can do his, his mad science. We never see it again. I, th- right. I think it's where he concocts the antidote. I think that's what th- that was for, yep. but it's not like really clear. And then once he's got his antidote, he's out of there. So yeah, that's, yep. that's another location, Amanda, that that clearly mostly here? hit the cutting room floor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed uh, speaking of the the blood and the and the serum and stuff. I really enjoyed every scene where he was drinking from a blood bag because I did not buy any time that he grabbed one of those things and he like <laughs> like warped it or whatever. I did not buy that he was actually drinking anything. And it was like weird because he was like he's gripping the bottom of it, so it actually seemed like he was squeezing the bottom. So like there's actually no chance. Of, of something coming out the end it was almost like he was doing it purposely i don't know like yeah just weird just lots of weird decisions in this movie that just didn't make a lot of whole lot of sense yeah um i also think it should be noted that the trailer uh, it, it, the trailer has a bunch of stuff that's not in the movie and that's very funny <laughs> yeah they put together the trailer before they actually finished the final edit of the movie yeah, yeah. always the mark of, of a quality film yeah yeah so no, yeah, this I mean, movie gotta, needs to be out by a certain date. We need to do a trailer for it to prom, uh, to promote it. But we're not done the movie. I don't care. Get that trailer out. Well, the funny thing about that is that this movie was delayed many, many times. Um, mm-hmm. Like some due to COVID, some due to like other reasons, I think reshoots and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, they had plenty of time to craft this one into like a like a decent movie, um, you know, but. Nope. Yeah. But yeah, trailers, trailers are hard. You know, they, they, they're trying to put their best foot forward, right? Like bi- business is uh, uh, a tricky thing to try to run. You know, Scott, life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Wouldn't you agree, Scott? Oh, I'd agree for sure. Well, you know, for any business owners that might be listening, Alberta Blue Cross understands that too. They offer flexible health, dental, life, disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. I'll actually, I know we made this beautiful smooth transition, but uh, my employer uses Alberta Blue Cross and I get to manage my own uh, uh, coverage uh, and it is extremely handy. So, uh, personally can vouch uh, for the, the usability of the Blue Alberta Blue Cross uh, interface. So you've got this, says Alberta Blue Cross, when it comes to group coverage for your small business. And Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more 
and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. You know, Liam, you mentioned Matt Smith is in House of the Dragon right now, which is mm-hmm. a spinoff of Game of Thrones. Well, there's and that famous, the famous saying from Game of Thrones, uh, Lannister right. always pays their debts. No, I was actually thinking of the other one, which is Winter is Coming. Oh, that's and, a good one, too. And that is true <laughs> here in Edmonton as well. And energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing. So now is a great time for listeners to look at their utility bills and ensure they're on the best plan. Albertans have a choice of who they pay their utility bills to, and Park Power is happy to provide free, no obligations comparisons. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy, and you can feel good knowing that you're supporting a local business and helping give back to your community with your utility bills. You can learn more right now at parkpower.ca. Just slipped those plugs right in there. (laughs) Uh, like so many, no, that's, I don't have a segue and I'm not going to try. Um, <laughs> we segue in, we're not segueing out smoothly at all. It's yeah, a we bumpy turbulent rise. Yep. Brace <laughs> yourself, put your chair in the upright position as we return to the second half of this episode of I Have Some Notes. Um, yeah, I think we've, we've definitely picked apart, uh, this, this movie well enough. There were things to like about it. Our listeners had thoughts to be sure. Um, but do you guys, what, how do we fix this? How do we make this? at the very least, on the same level as Venom Let There Be Carnage. Oh, boy. Um, I can I can start. Um, sure. Because I think for me, the, the central thing that doesn't work about Morbius is his relationship, like Morbius's relationship to Milo, mm-hmm. um, which isn't his... Real name. I forget what his, his real name is, but he's called Milo because it's Lucy. when yeah, Lucian. There you go. Uh, when they when the two of them meet as children, um, they meet in like is it kind of like a? It's I guess it's like some sort of like uh, home for uh, medically challenged kids. Um, that's like not a boarding a school. Sort of. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And there, you know, he he meets uh, Lucian. Um, and calls him Milo uh, because he thinks that this kid is just gonna die and then he's gonna you know uh, you know because it's a uh, school full, full of sick kids or whatever he, he's like you're just gonna die and someone else will come and take your place basically last I think it was like the idea is the last kid was Milo and the next kid will be Milo you're all Milo yeah right? yeah you're all Milo you're disposable is basically what he was saying to and uh, and like that name sort of ends up being it's supposed to be like i think it's supposed to be cute because then they continue to call him milo through like the rest of his life um and i think at one point um matt smith tells him that tells morbius that he gave him his name um which is awful like you gave him a terrible name it's <laughs> you gave him a name yeah. that was sort of like just disposable um and that's just sort of like a symptom of like how their relationship um began on such a like a, a bad foot but not only that um the uh milo or sorry, morbius um you know uh, milo ends up getting uh really sick well they're getting i think they're getting dialysis or something like that mm-hmm. and uh his machine malfunctions morbius fixes it with like a spring or something like that and that is the impetus for uh morbius to be sent off to a uh, you know a, a school for gifted kids um, because he's so smart that he managed to, to fix this machine all, all by himself in, a, in an emergency. Um, so he ends up he ends up like leaving 
Milo within like, I don't know, it feels like a couple weeks of them meeting. Um, so it's really like, it doesn't feel like they're, they're, they're friends at all, you know, and, and then we don't really get to spend much time with Milo Morbius after that. It's actually like, it's kind of a shock to me that they're still friends because the way that the film is edited, it's just like Morbius takes off and and it's from the, the school and it seems like he's gone forever and that he's not going to uh, see Milo again. Um, that's kind of the way their relationship ends is there in their childhood. So I don't know, like, it's like, it's so like, it it needs to be developed a lot more. uh, You know, like a, like their friendship needs to be developed a lot more and like maybe uh, don't uh, make this sort of relationship so negative to begin with. Um, Cause that's sort of like, that sort of doesn't play well with the contrast uh, of what happens to uh, Matt Smith's character later on. Um, And I also don't feel like um, Matt Smith's turn to full on villain is very well developed. It just kind of feels like that happens within the span of a couple scenes. You know, he's, Um, he, I think it's basically like he's, he sees, he's kind of like, I like I, I get with because he gets into a fight in school and I think that's yeah. supposed to give you a clue that, that he's his, got a mean streak, yeah. that he's got a mean streak to him. Um, but I think it would be you know if you if you switched it around and you had um, Lucian be the one that was like giving Morbius the name of Milo or something like that, like dis- disrespecting him and then like having having it so like he's always been sort of like you know morally uh gray in some way um and this sort of like friends despite that um Uh i think at least set up that that turn a little bit more i actually think that there's an interesting turn there that you kind of skirted by which might have been interesting which is if uh lucian slash milo had been kind of morbius's conscience when he was younger and as he was growing because morbius is the one who's kind of morally like he's the guy who's engaging in like illegal experimentation and stuff he's the guy with compromised morals he's the guy who's constantly like walking on the dark side and then he gets this living vampire power and realizes he's gone too far and starts to turn around and when Milo becomes a living vampire, he degenerates. And so you've got their their paths like cross in an interesting way that way, where the good guy becomes the villain and the the villain becomes a kind of a anti-hero. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that might have been an interesting kind of arc for both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Milo becomes what Morbius was and Morbius becomes what Milo was. Might have been an interesting play on that. Yeah. I guess you can't like. I guess you don't get to have like if one of them's one of them's a degenerator, whatever. You don't get to have some sort of like big clash at the end. You need well. That's because again, this movie wants to be a superhero movie so bad. And if they had made it more like The Fly, then it's less of a like it's less of a like climactic superhero battle and more of a like final desperate struggle. You know. Liam Liam is building up to his big fix, which was make this the fly. And I'm going to, I'm going to jump in right now and say that that could work um, in an interesting way. And you could still have the, the real body horror and you could still have a character degenerate. If um, Milo takes the serum mm-hmm. without Morbius's knowledge, but Morbius doesn't find out right away. And Morbius realizes he's turning into like, a weird man bat creature 
and he finds a way to forestall that transformation. Like he works on himself and he, he doesn't completely cure himself, Ooh. but, but he, he stops the worst of it, but he doesn't know that Milo has taken it as well. And Milo continues to degenerate and it turns into a big climactic fight because Milo has become a monster. That's you can sick. have that body horror and, but, and Morbius has to destroy him at that point because there's no curing him. There's no going back. Sorry to kind of jump on. No, your, no, your no, that thing, actually, but... that doesn't touch anything I had pitched though. It, it, there's one of the problems I had with this movie is at the end of it, Morbius doesn't fix himself. He's like, Milo, take this antidote, Milo, take this antidote. And then Morbius is like, I'm going to keep being Morbius. Um, I gotta That'll have an, I gotta have an end credit scene with Michael Keaton here. I can't not be Morbius. <laughs> um, so with what you're pitching, that that justifies him not taking the antidote. It's like he never finds an antidote. There is no antidote. He just he finds a way to stabilize. Yeah. And the person who doesn't find a way to stabilize degenerates to death. And that explains how we have a half living vampire for yeah. Spider-Man. Or at least later. into a into a horrifying monster that needs to be destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. I love that. Um, yeah. Um I keep saying like, oh, make it the fly, but he here's how, and here here's my pitch for make it more of a bo degenerative body horror nightmare and less of a superhero movie. <laughs> um, and it's by fixing one of the main problems that I had with the movie. When he gets morbed, we have a <laughs> quick scene where he's like, look at all this. Look at all this shit I can do. Look, I can lift this stuff and I'm strong as hell. And I'm like, oh man, it's so great. It's so great being strong and good and cool and flying. But also I got to drink this blood. But look, I got, I got this fake blood I can drink and eventually it's not going to be effective. He figures out that the, the synthetic blood will not be effective very early. And so we are giving this like long-term ticking clock that doesn't do anything for anyone. It, it's, it does, there's no actual sense of urgency to that ticking clock, so I don't understand why they have him figure that out so early when that is a much more dramatic thing to have him figure out way later. So it starts with him just like in the fly, just like hunky Jeff Goldblum doing chin-ups. He's fit. He's feeling good. Milo wants in on this. He wants to give it to Milo because everything's great. And then slowly he starts to like we, – and we also get to spend more time with his powers, like we see a scene of him like, oh, you now he's got these ears and now he's got this, you know, super strength. And we like watch him get these powers and degenerate, get these powers and degenerate a little more slowly. And the last thing he discovers in a moment of lost control is that the synthetic blood isn't working anymore. He learns that way later. Right. And to the point where he knows, oh, I've only got a, like I've got a day before this isn't effective anymore, as opposed to I've got weeks. <clears throat> scrambles to make an antidote, scrambles um, to, to get it done against a Milo who was like, hey, bro, you were going to give me this stuff. Why? What changed? He's like, no, I, ju I just seconds ago, just moments before I was scheduled to give it to you, realized it's actually a nightmare. Because if you remember in the movie, Milo walks in on him, like covered in blood, naked in a cell, begging for blood to drink. And Milo's like, I want some of that. I'd love that. Give me that, please. <laughs> Have Milo want this because he's jacked as shit and healthy, not yeah. when he sees his friend as an absolute. It makes no sense that Milo would still want that after seeing him in such a desperate situation. So then your third act is there's one there's one antidote that he was quickly able to to make in a, a frenzied state. 
Um, the cops are on him. Also, like in the fly, she has to go. The the female character, Bancroft. Um, Bert, uh, what's that? Doctor Bancroft. Ben Bancroft has to go to the FBI to 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 help them in the same way that the the woman in the fly goes to the skeezy asshole who's the only last character in the movie she can trust. Right. So now the final climax is super fit Milo versus deranged Morbius versus three humans or what Scott said. And that all still works. I think, yeah, I think that that marries well with my suggestion actually. Yeah. That's why um, I was, if I was stoked on it. You, you, you have Milo get the, get the serum earlier on when he's jacked. Yeah. It's like, this is working great. Milo also takes the serum Morbius realizes, starts to degenerate, and realizes that there's a terrible cost, is not able to cure it, though. He's only yeah. able to, like, stop it from getting worse. And unfortunately, it's too late at that point for Milo. Milo's run off. He can't find him. He doesn't know what's going on. It's because Milo's turned into a bat monster. And it's like hunting and people in the street. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and then it it ends in a, in a tragic fight between uh, what has become of Milo and and a Morbius who accidentally inflicted this on the person he cares about most in the world. Yeah. yeah. And also Morbius looks like, looks like vampire Morbius, like all the time. He, yeah. That was he, part he, of the stalling yeah. process. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. I um, like that fix a lot because it, I mean, it definitely, it definitely dr- increases the emotional stakes in a real big way. Um, you know, especially for, for the character of Morbius himself, who feels a lot more, a lot more tragic in the, in the movie as written, it feels like they're kind of constantly making excuses for, for him, mm-hmm. uh, for having done some like pretty horrible things, um, uh, which is yeah a little, a little strange. Um, I think uh, in our, in our version, I think at the end, Morbius gets caught by the police. Like he's, he's devastated by what's happened. The, the feds catch up to him in the final moments and he willingly gets taken away. And then if you really want to set up your sinister six movie, he meets Michael Keaton in prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot more sense. That died I don't... <laughs> oh man. That, that credit scene was cringy. It was, um, it was so, it wasn't even subtle. It was just like what they did. Like it was so novel when Nick Fury did it the first time at the end of Iron Man for them yeah. to just be like, the same thing's going to happen. You, you know, when a guy shows <laughs> up after the credits and it's like, Hey, want to train my team? That's just what we do now after movies end. Um, yeah. That, that and also like, sense. also like Morbius should have been like when, when uh, the vultures talking about Spider-Man Morbius's response, which should have been who's Who? Spider-Man. Who the fuck? <laughs> I, ha- I have a second fix and it involves Spider-Man, sort of. Because um, obviously, the, even in the trailer, there's like a picture of Spider-Man. It seems like maybe Spider-Man should be in this movie. <laughs> um, or don't put him in there at all. That's like, just have it just be its own standalone thing. Don't try to tie it into Spider-Man. But to like, what what petty half measures to have Michael Keaton just sort of be like, do you want to come hate Spider-Man with me? At the end is like <laughs> absurd. So but here's... In- Sorry, no, I no, didn't realize you weren't done. Go on. <laughs> Here's my fix for their for Sony trying to build a universe. As I mentioned in my in my version, slow deterioration, five minutes before he's gotta go give the serum to Milo, um, and then decide he's gonna hold it, is when he's at his lowest, is when he's in the least control. He's on the streets, he's doing something chaotic, income swinging a a silhouette of a muscular figure on a rope, uh, and it's venom. It's Venom here to be like, hey, this is a bad guy. Tom Hardy, you said I can only eat bad guys, right? This guy looks bad. You can go ahead and eat him. Venom tries to eat Morbius. They have a cool act to fight. 
uh, Venom won't eat him because he tastes bad. And also, what a bat's what are like one of the dumb bat powers he can have? Screechy sonic sounds. Yeah. What does Venom hate? Screechy, Screechy sonic, sonic sounds. sounds. And Venom fucks off to be in a different movie later. But that's your act two climax is like he he squares off with Venom and now you're building up your genuinely building up a shared universe with the characters you've established. That kind of works yeah. actually. Yeah. And it, it has the nice little Spider-Man tease. I like that. Yeah. Even <laughs> like, yeah, make them think it's Spider-Man coming in, but it's just Venom to be like, yeah. Um, as, as long I also, as we're talking about uh, un- universe fixes, like mm-hmm. I always, I always thought like it's weird that like Sony didn't like try and have their cake and eat it too with Spider-Man. Like, like, like there's all sorts of different like Spider-Man, Spider-Women kind of things. So like, why didn't you just let Tom Holland exist in like that MCU universe and just like leave him be and this? just make your movie like just do like a like a spider-man series where like spider-gwen or something like that is yeah. the main spider-man and that well, in you can you could still have all those great characters that you've got the rights to you just like you just do like an adjacent thing and like you're already doing it with us like into the spider-verse it's like right there it seems like low-hanging fruit yet they don't well, want to do it further to that no way home does a crossover with the Sony Spider-Man. So you establish that the Sony Spider-Man coexists in an alternate universe to the MCU Spider-Man. Have an Andrew Garfield show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pay that boy money to reprise Spider-Man. He was great in the Marvel movie. Oh, if you were going to put Spider-Man in this Morbius movie, it should be Andrew Garfield. For 100% sure. for yeah. sure. Let him, let him Spider-Man some more. Yeah. Let yeah. that boy out to Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, also, this this and Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage should have been rated R. Yeah, probably. sure. Yeah, yeah. If if you're leaning into the body horror for this, if you're really going to Cronenberg it up, it's mm-hmm. going to be an R-rated movie. Could you imagine if they let if this was oh, the, the Milo would have been they... such a such a wet puppet. He would have been so. Oh, yeah. Let David Cronenberg make this movie. I okay. <laughs> I'm going to make this. This is my note for just all people trying to ape the MCU going forward. D- don't don't and just yeah. take your take your collection of characters and give them to auteur directors and instead of trying to sell us like celebrities as the the heroes be like we're giving Cronenberg Morbius we're giving um Tarantino the Suicide Squad or whatever like they kind of did that with James Gunn I'm trying to I'm just off the dome right now but like take characters with a really specific premise and give them to auteur directors who can like ring so much out of that premise. Yeah. Like Batman he, and Tim Burton. Like, yeah. Like DC seemed to be heading that direction with like things like the Joker and, and whatever. Yeah. And like um, the new Batman movie, which seems disconnected from like <laughs> Aquaman. I don't think that the, the new Batman and Aquaman exist in the same universe. At no. least I hope not. Yeah. I would love to see the movie where they try and like, <laughs> and fist those two together that would be great uh i wouldn't put it past dc to try but yeah exactly like, I, like dc was doing yeah yeah but like you know doing doing those individual characters in like it, you know giving directors the freedom to like experiment and uh, and try something interesting with a different character like there's the comics are full of like revisions and different takes on classic characters people love that stuff and like there's no reason um not to do it and you know you could you could conceivably do it with spider-man too himself if you wanted to um go back like do a a noir spider-man movie for example i mean that's an interesting take on spider-man so Mm -hmm. there's there's lots of different avenues you can you could approach it with it doesn't always have to be 
this sort of start from ground zero world building universe building nonsense they've uh failed at over and over and over again <laughs> oh, yeah a ryan johnson spider-man noir would be dope like <laughs> yeah yeah i'd watch that for sure yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like like you don't the, the the problem with the way that Hollywood works these days is like they're they're so much they're so interested in their projections about what they could think they can make bank for that like there's no there's no risk taking like they don't take risks anymore and they just uh, the I mean one time the risk paid off yeah and to a certain extent you can you can hardly blame them because like for some reason people show up to the theaters anyway like those the like the last three Jurassic Park movies have been varying degrees of terrible and yet each of those is making close to a billion dollars so they're printing money and they kind of know it so like you know i think they've kind of learned that like the quality of the film is incidental as long as you give people enough in the trailer and you give them enough little cookies like oh this person came back and this person came back so people weaponized nostalgia does make money it's yeah, it's junk it's food. Nice. It's junk food, and much like junk food, you've got Taco Bell being like, "We put Cheetos on our tacos now." You know Cheetos. <laughs> you heard yeah. that name before. Like it's that's all. It's all junk food. Yeah, it's like the other day when I walked by um, the macaroni aisle and I saw like flaming hot Cheetos craft dinner. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yes. <laughs> that's that's Michael, a turn. Michael Keaton in a Flash movie is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Cheetos mac and cheese. Yeah, so, but I, I love the I love the fix we found. We got um, uh, Scott or uh, Greg's stronger bond between uh, Milo and Jared Leto. We got uh, a much better justification for the series of of science events from from Scott, and then my uh, you know body horror and Venom. So yeah, I we, we married it all really well. I think yeah, fixed it. Fixed it. And they you said it couldn't be it. done with Morbius. <laughs> Which again, though, I still think the movie we are pitching is like maybe as good as Venom. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on we, who we have directing it. And if it's rated R. Yes. Yeah. Um, we had uh, lots of thoughts, but so did you. Uh, thank you, dear listeners, for uh, your comments. Um, when we solicit them on our various social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. Um, we do love reading them out. We do love hearing what you think. Also, all of you uh, in the in the uh, chat thread so far, appreciate you being here uh, tonight uh, with us. It couldn't couldn't have done it without you. Or we could have. It just would have been a regular podcast yeah. recording. Yeah, it would, just, it would have just been lonely. <laughs> um, but no, we got some listener comments because, uh, yeah, of course, you all had thoughts as well. Tack says, you know, I would watch it and offer my notes, but I'm a busy man and who can only afford to watch free movies on his phone. So, damn it, who's putting this thing on Netflix? <laughs> it's, it's funny that uh, eventually uh, Tack did send us, um, I, I want to call it an essay <laughs> on, <laughs> uh, on Morbius, um, but I have it here. He DM'd, he DM'd a, a pretty uh, decent fix, and uh, I'll try and read it out here as, as best I can. So uh, he says, uh, uh, Milo and Michael are brothers and Jared Harris is their father, uh, an old money aristocrat. Milo is perfectly healthy and a right snob who thinks he's the favorite son. He's always dressed to the nines, insincerely cares about the less fortunate and picks, up, picks on his brother for fun. Michael is a black sheep. 
He dresses in ordinary clothes, seems genuinely invested in his work and in helping others. His only acts of rebellion are against his family. Uh, Milo, of course, makes fun of Michael's disability, always uh, under the guise of good-natured fun. But he also insists Michael's humanitarian acts are self-serving to aid in finding a cure. He says Michael dresses humbly because it's simply easier. The only difference between us is, is that I can tie a bow tie, uh, says, uh, uh, what's his name to Morbius? <clears throat> the plot unfolds much the same way, except now Michael has a direct moral question. Is uh, Milo right about him? Compounding this question are all his illegal actions that lead to him finding a cure. Act 2 reveals that the, his experiment also involves uh, blood from unwilling prisoners. Uh, Milo takes the cure because he's jealous of Michael's powers. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> mm -hmm. And he starts killing, uh, killing to cover up Milo's illegal activities. Uh, their father uh, and Michael's girlfriend are just loose ends. Uh, this pushes Michael to accept himself as the monster. He feeds on several innocent bystanders to build up his strength and kills Milo out of revenge uh, uh, or just to tie up the loose end. So I, I, I do kind of like the like, this is just like straight up like um, a villain's origin tale uh, rather than sort of like an anti-hero. So that's that's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. the movie definitely frames him more as an anti-hero. Um. And the this version definitely is more of a villain story. Yeah. Yeah. Pack really <laughs> is in the chat saying, sorry for the long DM. <laughs> no worries, buddy. That's yeah. uh that's uh, we love seeing it. Uh speaking of folks in the chat, uh Laurie Plant gave us the comment. Uh you ask how we can fix it when you should first ask why. Um, yeah, why well, I mean <laughs> it makes good podcast content. That's if nothing else. And I got to watch the fly out of it, so that's why. <laughs> um, as well, Jeff, Jeff uh, Samsono says, uh, fix one of the biggest comic book movies of all time. So big mark? they released it twice. Yeah. yeah. That's so <laughs> That's, funny. We didn't talk about that, about how they how they misinterpreted It's Morbin Time to think that everybody wanted to watch this fucking movie again. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that tweet. It was like, no, no, guys, sorry. We were really that busy. Put it in the theaters. A th we were busy that weekend. Put it in theaters a third time. <laughs> we were all busy. We were all busy. Yeah, no, it went viral for not the reason that they thought it went viral. Yeah. yeah. Andrew Craig says, my biggest suggestion is don't make Morbi don't make a Morbius movie. He was a dumb character and he has created and has never gotten any better. His secondary title is The Living Vampire. No, vampires are undead by definition. You're really, you're just really hyperglycemic and low on iron. Take a supplement and get a nose job. Okay. <laughs> Vampire bats aren't undead, Andrew. Um, I don't know. I kind of like it. Uh, I think that you could have a really great Morbius versus Blade movie at some point um, yeah. uh, based out of it and have Blade just be like, oh, my usual vampire hunting tactics aren't working against this guy because he's not a real vampire. He's a fake vampire. He's a wish vampire. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a wish.com vampire. He's the wish.com vampire. Yeah. I, I believe we're getting a new Blade movie, are we not? We are. Sure are. Yeah. Sure. Does that fall uh, in the, the the Marvel's umbrella? I guess they still. Yeah, are, right? it's a, it's a yeah. proper Marvel. Yeah. yeah. Disney's Blade. So. Yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Aaron Beaver says, recast Lido. Explain why their boat had so much hostile mercenaries on it. Explain uh, how he could fly on updrafts or winds or vibes or whatever. That that <clears throat> such a, such a well-written joke, Aaron. I'm sorry I'm screwing it up. Explain how he could fly on updrafts or winds or vibes or whatever that was. Uh, erase the movie and just show clips of Jared Harris putting around the house for a while. <laughs> um, and it's interesting... Sorry, oh, you first, you first. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Aaron mentions recasting Leto. We we didn't really talk about, it was a controversial casting choice. Um, also, Morbius in the comics is Greek. Like, he's, he's from Greece. Um, and I don't know why they couldn't have kept that. Um, I think that maybe a decision should have been made to make him Greek. And that might have been fine. That might have been good. You could have found a really good Greek actor who was relatively unknown. It could have been a big star-making turn for him. Yeah. I think uh, you didn't need Leto, Leto in this role. You didn't need his star power for this movie at all. <laughs> yeah, the star and power. I, if anything, I'm not, I think it might have been a hindrance. He's got a lot of star power to begin with. Yeah, I think yeah, it might have like, actually been a hindrance yeah. to the movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I, do like, I do like the comment about the boat because like it is weird that like there's... like. They're 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 being paid to be on that boat, right? Like the the people who are like mercenaries on it, right? Like like um, Milo has paid for that boat, and they're just running a medical experiment on it. So like, there's no reason for these guys to be running around carrying guns because there's no there's no sort of danger. They're just on a boat on the sea, just performing a medical experiment. Yeah, so like, why are they all running around with with all these uh, all these guns? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Jason Manzukas as Morbius would be great. Yeah, I hundred so percent agree, is, Sally. Is, is, <laughs> is Morbius totally go for Zooks. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I badly, I badly want to see that movie now. Very badly. Well, that's great. Um, yeah. Uh, also, just a comment on Jared Harris. In my version, you don't need Jared Harris as a character. Like he doesn't do. I, like in my, it was one of my fixes we didn't get to, but greatest jared harris is uh that he does need to be in this movie he doesn't do anything he doesn't serve any role whatever he does he's, could be done by either milo or the cops he's he's a friendly puppy that the villain gets to kill later on. yeah that's basically his role in the movie fair enough everybody's really on board with sally's suggestion that jason manzoukas play morbius <laughs> jason manzoukas i know you're a big fan of this podcast release your version of morbius okay here's here's a question for the chat then because it is too late for jason manzoukas to play morbius <laughs> who is jason manzoukas in the mcu oh boy well i mean if you're doing mcu you can do a different version of morbius so there, there you, you go. go he's he's tom holland's morbius <laughs> he's tom holland's morbius oh, i love it i love it sweet uh, friend of the show, Olav, uh, at Hugo underscore book underscore club, says, cast Matt Smith in the lead role. Yeah, I like I like that as a suggestion. Um, he I is the best part of this movie. Yeah. Uh, allow him to have fun. The movie, the whole movie is a ponderous, pretentious, portentous, overwrought melodrama to it, uh, except for when Matt Smith is around. They got the guy who directed Life to do this. Not a bad director, but not a fun director. Um, this does not need to be a high-end art movie director or anything, but Daniel Espeloza, who's only okay, is the wrong fit for this material. You need someone with pulp sensibilities, a Paul W.S. Anderson type, um, which, again, not Paul, <laughs> not PTA. Olaf, not... Olaf, 
big, big uh, Event Horizon stand, <laughs> huge yeah. on Paul W. F. Sanderson. Um, yeah, if you don't know, Paul W. F. Sanderson did the the um, other vampire ones, the Lichens and the oh, Underworld, Underworld, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, also, get to the morbin earlier, says or, uh, Olav. It takes 80 minutes of screen time before anyone even starts to morb. The audience <laughs> is there for the morbin. Give them morbin time. So, uh, oh, and then of course, uh, Olav's last comment is uh, it just needs a theme, you know, by like an Eminem or a Chad Kruger or a Seal, something that really says 2022. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't uh, know. We really liked the end credits, Olav. I'm yeah, just saying. We but all loved it. <laughs> did this movie have a have a single that was released with it? Like a, I don't think so. No, I, the the entire soundtrack to the movie is so inconsequential and uh, and bland that I literally can't remember any of it. So yeah, yeah. On that note, this is a slightly adjacent, but like you guys are giving credit, like uh, talking about the end credit sequence being awesome. And I I tend to agree. Like it is it like it's a fun end credit sequence, but also like uh thematically irrelevant, I guess, is how I, because it's not like neon throughout the entire movie. Like it's not yeah. it's not a part of the aesthetic. Your aesthetic was smoke. Like yeah. that was the that was it, like his you know, speed and all that kind of stuff. Like it, your aesthetic was smoke. That's why when I edited the intro, it was all smoke because you know, <laughs> that's also for the record, it. Greg. Yes. Uh, if if there's one real no, big thing, it. if there's one real big thing that uh, makes it so that we should do more live shows, it's your intros because that yes. was awesome. Very so. good. <laughs> Thanks. Very Thanks. well done. Uh, a couple more comments here. Munzee said, "This is a tough one because my instinct is to say make Blade instead if you want a Marvel vampire movie, but that doesn't really work in this case because Blade has already famously been made." So, um, yeah, again, I think there's 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 every idea has merit. If there can be four seasons of an Alfred Pennyworth show, you know, there's no reason we can't make a Morbius movie because um, stories. Stories are universal. Stories, there's only one story, you know, like it, it can be done. <laughs> um, John G. KBO says, ditch Jared, make Matt Smith the lead, hire Moffat to write the damn script. Yeah, true. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. I, I, well, Moffat might be okay on a one off. He's not, I don't know if he's a good series writer, but he's, I think, yeah, in an isolated uh, movie, he might be okay. Yeah. Um, we're talking about Stephen Moffat of Doctor Who fame for yeah, those that might not. Which yeah. is like, hey, I get Moffat to do it. You know, Moffat. <laughs> and, Sh- and Sherlock. And, yeah. yeah. A lot of people really wanted Matt Smith to be the lead in this movie. And I think we've just learned that it really should have been Manzukas. So, yeah. Sorry, Matt Smith. Uh, our friends over at the 80s movie podcast says, I wouldn't fix it. I would leave it and focus on any other 800 plus characters Sony has the rights to because they fall under a licensing agreement with Marvel. Um, sure. Yeah. I love how many people like just don't make this, which is like, again, what, what you say about junk food, but yet the stores are plenty stocked with junk food. So someone's got an appetite for it. Someone's I think, eating be, I think there's an interesting Cheeto, story. Mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah, I think there's an interesting story here, but just like I like any any concept can work as long as it's written well. It's just like yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of the time, I, I think they're just thinking like 
you know, we'll we'll make a Morbius movie and that'll be enough. We don't have to worry about the rest. And that's yeah. Uh, Josh Scar says Sony sell. This is this is his comment. Sony sells the Spider-Man movie rights to Disney for five billion, and Sony can use that money to invest in CEOs and CCOs <laughs> that know how to not leak every movie they're creating. But Disney allows Lord and Miller to create continue creating Spider-Verse movies through Sony's animated division. Because That's Disney basically. famously doesn't have any sort of animation division. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean that's that's essentially what I said. Just like keep just double down on the one that worked. Just do more yeah. uh, Spider Verse stuff. I mean they are, but yeah. they I know they are. I mean they're doing. More than I that. mean they're not making yeah. a universe out of it. No. as far as I know. Just good. Yeah, maybe that would make it worse. I don't know. Maybe yeah, <laughs> the end of it's oh, please don't. It's not. Oh, geez, it's gonna happen now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hero Zero says, hmm, how to fix Morbius? Tricky. Hmm. I'd have to go with changing it to Morpheus and make it a Matrix prequel. <laughs> I mean, fair. I probably but yeah, I see, so like, take, there's no reason a Morpheus movie couldn't work. If they wanted to make a yeah. Morpheus movie, they could. Prequels are hard, but, you know, they they can work. I don't know if you guys are watching um, the uh, the Rings of Power, but it's pretty good. I'm enjoying it. So it's just a matter of how you approach it. Indeed. And our final comment, Dr. Gordon B. Schmidt says, have Morbius do something heroic even once so he can actually be an anti-hero. Chemistry and real connection between the characters. That's what Scott was saying. Consider what a science vampire is not. Just act like it would randomly have characteristics of vampiric folklore. Take it less seriously. I mean, if you're taking it less seriously, though, you're you're going to lean into the vampire folklore stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I made fun of that off the top that Morbius gains vampire powers from a bat and they're it, it's like you know, that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> I suppose that's how it works in the comics, though. So whatever. Just yeah. lean into it. Lean into the pulpiness of it. Indeed. Caleb, uh, Caleb says he's enjoying the rings, too. Good man. It's uh, it's very fun. Uh, that kind of this comment kind of reminds me that uh, oh, I might have lost my my train of thought here. Oh, darn sorry. it! I had that's on me. <laughs> um, oh, the uh, Doctor Bancroft's uh, sacrifice. We didn't talk about that, but that was really awkward uh, when she sacrifices her life and lets Morbius drink her blood. Right to get so he gains power can go fight uh, uh, Milo. I was I I really felt that that was very cringy and like uh, the way that the movie is edited, like the, like uh, she gets like she almost gets kidnapped or she does get kidnapped off screen. Yep. And you have like no sense of like where they are. Like I guess they're on a rooftop, but like again, like it's framed really tight, so you have like no sense of scope on like what's going on. And like all of that just like combined for like the kind of saddest uh self-sacrifice I've ever seen on screen. Um and I, I think especially since it's it's a woman character like sacrificing her for the self for the man, like like it's just like because it was handled so poorly, it just felt kind of icky to me. I was not mm -hmm. a fan of that moment at all. And then she becomes a vampire for some reason. Oh, right. Is there, was there like a, there's like a stinger moment? Yeah. She, yeah. yeah. Part, part of the little uh, ending bit, she opens her eyes again and she's got like Morbius vampire. Right, eyes. Right, so for right, some right. reason, his bite made her a vampire because again, he's a folklore vampire because of vampire bat DNA. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. that theorem does a lot of stuff. Yeah. Very yeah. strange. Indeed. Uh, well, this uh, this concludes our uh, in-depth discussion on <laughs> Morbius the Living Vampire. That's You're welcome. Show. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and our live stream. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. Um, yeah. Well, uh, uh, you can, of course, follow us on uh, Facebook. Uh, I have some notes on Twitter at I have some notes and on Instagram at I have some notes. I have some notes pod. Um, please subscribe, rate and review. Uh, wherever it is you listen to a podcast, do the thingy that says, hey, I like this. Whatever that button is. <laughs> uh, you know what? Emily missed out on a lot of stuff, and I sure hope she missed out on Morbius. But there's some good stuff she missed, too. <laughs> and Emily and Brianne take in pop culture-filled movie classics that Emily has never seen but should have on the podcast Emily Missed Out. And you can check that out right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Um. Today is this Friday. However, this is a live show. Uh, we're permanently. Oh, Scott, can you hear Greg? No, I can't. Greg. Yeah, I think the I think the music is screwing. Oh, up. is it over top of this, my mic? Yeah, oh, there you go. Such a smooth, yeah, move closer to your mic. Oh, it's so uh, smooth, dude. You so hi. close. There we go. <laughs> is that better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, should I start again? Yes. So it's Friday, uh, which is not our usual release day, which is usually Monday. However, um, this isn't just for the live show. We'll be permanently moving our release date to every second Friday from here on out. Um, so uh, catch us in two Fridays from now for when we go tomb raiding with mm -hmm. Angelina Jolie. Um, this live show was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. For participating and chatting, uh, thank you to Anita, Sally, Caleb, Brienne. Uh, uh, who else is in here? Uh, Jeff, uh, Aaron, uh, Lori. You know, th just thanks so, so much for making this such a good time and and, and well worth us uh, putting on a live show. And we hope to do it again soon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, until then, I've been your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies.